This is Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Gregory, my friend, August 2nd, it is sheep season. It is open in many Thinhorn areas as of yesterday. It's go time. So there'll be some big rams down. Um, guys will be out. Guys and gals will be out uh, pounding the bush and looking for those uh, those giant BC rams. It's a pretty cool time of year. Yeah, hopefully we get some folks sharing their stories with us, sending them to us for our magazine or social media or even hell, wanted wanted to come on here and chat about it. What's our hashtags for people that are posting? You know what? Uh, we've been leaning on the hashtag Wild Sheep Forever and hashtag WSSBC Outside. Nice. So nice. The Wild Sheep. And that, that's everything. It's not just sheep hunting. WSSBC Outside is just being outside, right? Just right. being outside. If, and then if you've got a piece of gear on of ours, even better. It's a hat, nice. shirt, something that says Wild Sheep Society. And if you tag us and we see it, we'll post it. Okay, and we're also looking for your stories. So for the magazine, we need your content. So there's the 50-word pieces. Send your stuff in. Um, we try and send some swag out to some people. We're, we get to the point now we're having to do a bit of uh, do random draws because we're a little oversubscribed on some of the stuff. But uh, if we, if we um, use your content for the magazine, so there's a 50-word piece. So we need a picture in 50 words or less, um, and you can be anything. It can be any species, whatever you want. Um, obviously if it's sheep, that's wonderful. And then we like longer stories too. Um, our criteria there is a good story, well-written, and then give us some good quality photos, two megabytes or better. And so if you've been out, you've been successful, um, tell the story, share, share your successes with, uh, some fellow, uh, members or some fellow hunters who would love to share the story. So, where, um, and where should folks be sending that? Which email? Thank you. Communications at wildsheepsociety.com and that comes directly to me and we'll make sure it gets to the right spot so we'd love your content uh, keep us in mind for sheep season so perfect yeah we got a uh, couple of weeks we've got a uh, big old fishing tournament happening in Chilliwack BC right on the Fraser there what, what, tell us yeah. about that that thing we do every summer yeah the Jurassic Classic experience I think uh, fishing experience Trevor Trevor's forbade me to use the word tournament because that uh, implies a competition, but there are $10,000 in prizes. So uh, it is a bit of a competition, but really it's one of our cool events. That's how I got brought into the sheep world was through the Jurassic. I absolutely love, love it. It's one of my favorite events all year. And just, you know, on this podcast, our guest is going to talk about our wild sheep family, and the Jurassic is a family event. There's 56 anglers that come back every year, and we just have a, a great time getting after uh, getting after uh, sturgeon, catching some big dinosaurs, and then uh, raising money for wild sheep and putting the money back on the mountain. So pretty cool event. Yeah, and uh, you know, great support by a lot of people involved, like Great River Fishing Adventures and you know, Dean Work. He's a stand-up guy and puts everybody on the fish and brings in a bunch of boats and a bunch of help. Yeah, absolutely he does. And, you know, it's worth mentioning we got three of our major supporters that are a big part of the Jurassic Classic day in and day out. And uh, we've got Sitka Gear, our official sponsor, and they're a big part of the Jurassic. They've been right from the get-go. They've actually sent 
um, you know, customer service reps up and um, Corey uh, Pearsall back in the day when he was with Sitka Gear, he came up and was at the event. And then Yeti's a big part of it in Stone Glacier. So those three companies, there's a ton of great support and great donors. And I can't, I, I can't just mention them all. There's so many, but those three every year going above and beyond with uh, making things happen with the event. So super cool. Uh, great event and just so much fun. And so, you know, we sell teams for the Jurassic. They're really hard to come by, but keep an eye out this fall if you're interested in attending and you can get in on, uh, in my experience, one of the best events out there. It's just a great time. Yeah, and around the same time, we'll be hosting an online auction that folks will be able to be involved in if you can't make it to Jurassic. So we'll still take your money and you can get some good, good swag or whatever comes up for auction. Keep your eye out online. Right on, buddy. Um, and you're not, but you're not coming because you always plan some. You're doing like some conservation thing, like you're actually doing something for sheep or some weird thing. Yeah, I can't figure it out. You guys keep enjoying fishing, and I'm like, you know what? It's for the sheep. I'm gonna go out and look at sheep. So <laughs> we'll be back along the the Fraser River, checking on lamb retention on the 19th, um, just north of Lillooet, and checking on this year's treatment. We we just had one a few weeks ago, and you know we got in. We got the first count in June. We got hammered by rain. Like the one weekend it decided it was going to rain, we got rain and fogged in. And this past weekend, we got smoke. So we got a few hours of open sight lines. And almost everybody that came out seen 40-plus sheep. So they got their eyes on sheep. We've seen a lot of collars, and we've seen a good number of lambs too. So we're able to correspond that, you know, some of the work is working there. So it's good to see. Well, Greg, thank you to you for your leadership on that. And I know there's other directors and other volunteers involved. And thank you for the people that show up for these things. Um, it's not, you know, Spence's Bridge is always awesome because it's a quick little drive up to, you know, Spence's Bridge. And this is this is a, a, a mecca. It's a long journey. You guys go a long way, spend a lot of time, money, and effort getting there to do the right thing to look after wild sheep. And, and this is an important part of what we do. This is this Fraser River treatment. Um, this is part of it. If we don't have this, then we don't have the data to support what we're doing. It's really important. So thank you for your leadership and everyone that's involved with that. Yeah, no problem. I, I enjoy being out there, meeting the people that come and volunteer. And you know, we get to meet some cool people that live along the Fraser because you know, our first glassing spot for this year is 75K up the gravel. And that's when you hit the first ranch and, hmm. you know, get to meet some of these ranch owners that have spent the last 50 years on the on the Fraser living remotely and there's always a good story to be had and good company awesome yeah all right buddy so this is a great podcast we are joined by Julie Chapman Julie Chapman's a director with the Wild Sheep Foundation and she is um has done so much in the conservation space she's done so much for advocacy for uh, trying to get new hunters into the hunt space. Uh, she operates uh, um, a, a, um, a not-for-profit that she, her and her husband created. It's called Graveyard Outdoors. And I think she said on the podcast, 65 kids every year go out and get to experience the outdoors and go to harvest, get out and chance to harvest turkey. And I think she said it's a roughly a 50% success rate, which to me is, I just have a hard time even understanding that I believe her, but it just blows my mind that that can happen. Um, but Julie, you guys are going to love this podcast. She's super passionate. She's super driven. I've had the privilege of working with her on the board of directors and she's got so much enthusiasm and, and effective too. She does a lot of amazing work and it's just a, a real pleasure to sit down and talk with Julie. 
And you're going to hear that she is a kick-ass hunter, man. She knows how to kill sheep, and she's she's deadly. Yeah, well, and you, you know, we always live by the words of Glenn Landers of do epic shit, and Julie is one of those people who just gets shit done. So you guys will enjoy this listen. It's great. Well, and you were a chapter in affiliates, and you've seen her, and I think that first night we were, like, all sitting around, and, um, you know, there was a bunch of stuff going on, and then Julie stands up. She goes, okay, we're going to do a selfie. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah. Do you recall that? And <laughs> yeah. she, she, she brings her phone out. it was on the bus, out. wasn't it? I don't, I don't know. I feel like it was in the room, but she's like, uh, and then she quoted Glenn, we're going to do epic shit, or we're doing epic shit, and um, yeah, she, she lives true to that, on and off the mountain, and uh, just great podcast and really enjoyed uh, chatting with her and we're going to have her back on. There's just too many stories and we, we could have talked for two, three hours on this one. And I think people are going to really enjoy this podcast. Yeah. She's going to quickly become a repeat guest here. Yeah, for sure. So here we go. Julie Chapman. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Precision Optics. Thank you Sitka Gear and Precision Optics for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Let's talk sheep. Who doesn't love talking sheep? Awesome. I, I, we I put a few. In, good for that. Put a few in the put a few in the background for you. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you got there? What is that behind you? Uh, this one here on the floor is my Idaho sheep, and then the one coming down above me is Wyoming. And then I've got a stone that's stone that's sitting over here by me that's going to go up on my little mountain eventually. Tiny tiny little mountain you got a mountain behind you i can't see it well, quite yet. it's it's not really a mountain it's a ledge <laughs> <laughs> but we'll take it here in indiana yeah that's awesome yeah. cool so you got some trips planned here coming up don't you oh yeah i do i'm gonna head out uh yukon on the 30th and then uh we'll get back and I'll have some time to like regroup, wash clothes, stuff like that. And then we're going to head, I'm actually coming up to BC. So that'll be fun for a bighorn. Um, and then later on in the year, we're going to go down, uh, hang out with Emilio and the boys down there at La Palmosa. So should be, uh, you know, I didn't draw anything. So kind of had to have these on the books for a while. But who cares, awesome. right? Yeah. Yes. So you're going to hunt with... Um uh, is it you that's hunting with Emilio or is someone else in the fam or what's the plan there? Yeah, that's the problem. In our family, like everybody loves to hunt and it uh, becomes like a fighting match. Uh, we could probably sell tickets like WWE wrestling type stuff in our house. Um, I think really I'm going to I'm gonna sheep hunt. And then I told one of the kids, I told the whole family they can come, but I think one of them, Emilio talked about deer hunting down there. So they'll they'll draw straws. And you They'll can, do something. So we were down there. You were, you were down at the board meeting, weren't you? In, in, no, oh, no. Yeah. I was actually I was hunting somewhere. Okay. So I don't know. You're where. not. You're not supposed. That's not an excused absence. Oh, actually, it is, oh. isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's <laughs> you, not. You, you we don't need, care. We need to adjust the bylaws if it's not. <laughs> Somebody needs to write uh, those in. Awesome. So your son, he's it would be mule deer he goes after down there, or what is it? I don't think they have coos or anything, do they? No, they don't have coos. It's uh, he said it's like a small whitetail. I'm not quite for sure because um, I okay. knew they were gonna they're gonna come anyway, and I, you know, I was trying to just keep it very low key, and um, you know, I told Emilio if it works out, fine. If it doesn't, hell, they'll, they'll just be happy to be down there hanging out, and 
I'm sure they'll go out and help me glass and stuff like that. So they've got they've right got on. big big plans anyway. So I'm actually nice. I'm really excited because so my son is a he'll be a he'll be an incoming junior, and my daughter will be a freshman. So then we've kind of booked for like 25 when he graduates. We're gonna go do a doll sheep hunt together. And then when she graduates, we're going to do a doll sheep hunt together. That's that's the plan for now. Things can change because they are kids and their interest seems to change uh, like the wind at times. Um, but, you know, God willing, they'll stay interested. So. Well, and it's pretty cool that uh, they're interested in, in now, right? Because a lot oh, of kids yeah. never even get there. So Yeah, yeah, we've been it's, pretty fortunate. That's awesome. So where did all this come from, Julie? Like, you know, you grew up in Indiana and w- your passion for hunting in the outdoors, where did that uh, stem from? Really? Kind of, I, I mean, really, it's it's 100% my dad. Um, small Midwest town, like Washington is 12,000. My dad was a, a, a young boy who, who came over from England um, and, and worked for everything they had. And I remember him telling me stories. Um, they, they came to Washington, he was a little boy, and he would caddy at the local and the golf the golf course is still here in town and it's just a little nine hole course and he'd be like yeah i'd be caddying for like a quarter a day i'm like a quarter he's like yeah i'd be caddying carrying these golf clubs for a quarter but all i could pay attention to were the squirrels all over and he said then i'd go out and he had some little gun i don't know whatever and he'd shoot squirrels on the golf course i'm like dad i don't know if that's such a good idea and he's like no they they never, you know, they never ran me off. They seemed to like me. So um, from a young age, he was into hunting. And it's kind of weird because his dad was not a hunter. He actually, he actually met people here in Washington that kind of mentored him into hunting. And then from there, it kind of took off. Um, he was the only one in his family that was a hunter. And then I'm the youngest of four. Now, my brother would hunt occasionally, but... Really, it, it, it fell onto me. I think it's, for me, I've kind of had the, the, just the passion of you know, life is short, so I'm going to try something one time, and, and if I like it, I'm going to just keep pursuing it. And I think hunting in the outdoors, for me, everything from waterfowl to white-tailed deer to, to like my epic adventure is, is sheep hunting. Um, and so for me, it's that, it's that drive of... Um, everything it's, it's always a challenge it's different and you've you've got to like outwit the game and and you've got to work at it so for me that's that's kind of how it stuck and then my husband uh, we dated forever and he's a white-tailed deer hunter and then it just kind of took off from there and we we kind of decided early on we wanted to at least expose our kids to the outdoors and this is kind of what my husband and I do in our community is to try to expose kids right because we're not necessarily going to turn every kid into an epic sheep hunter it's just not going to happen for a multitude of factors but if we can expose our kids the right way to the outdoors then hopefully they're either one going to become a hunter or two they're going to earn and develop respect for hunters and non-hunters because they understand the value of hunters. And so we want them to respect the outdoors and those that hunt uh, in order to keep that really good balance that we need in our 
in our hunting world. So, you know, that's kind of where we, that's kind of been our driving force uh, from day one is, hey, I'll take anybody hunting. I'll, I would, I'm going to be honest, I'd rather take a kid hunting that, that has no bad habits, right? They have none. And they're just green and they're like a sponge that soaks everything up. So, yeah, for, for me and our family, we just we love to get kids in the outdoors because there's something thrilling about seeing everything is new, right? So they get to experience everything, and it's just uh, to me, it's probably the most rewarding. It's probably more more rewarding than than myself, uh, you know, taking an animal as watching a kid take an animal. That's pretty awesome. So, so for you, you know, you, you talk about your hunting and your family's hunting, but it goes well beyond that too. Um, maybe if you can touch a little bit on the Graveyard Hunt Club and what that's all about and what's involved with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's a big push for us. Uh, it's a it's a very proud um, organization for us, and it is it is very small and um, grassroots type, like one on one efforts. Um, my husband and I started that along with my father, who we were funny story. Um, was just getting into duck hunting and we had this old boat that my dad we were going to redo so we for for duck hunting and we started pulling out the uh the 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 flooring and literally on the boards of the boat it said graveyard and we're like what in the world we what what are we so this this boat is so we named it the graveyard and then uh we kind of started taking kids getting kids into the outdoors and then it just grew from there because it's it's that one little spark of seeing a kid uh, experience, especially turkey hunting here in the Midwest. Indiana, our, our Game and Fish does an amazing job. Uh, we're super lucky because before our adult season comes in, they allow the weekend before for youth only. So really, we just have kids in the outdoors. Parents and mentors are 100% focused on those kids. And Turkey hunting here in Indiana uh, with our, our graveyard outdoors, we were fortunate enough to take probably 60 to 65 kids each year. And uh, we're, we're running about, this year was a little down. It was a tough year, but we run about a 50% success rate, which you think, oh man, 50% is not that good. But, oh, it's good when you're talking about brand new kids. You're talking about five-year-olds. Uh, we had a five-year-old this year, two of them. Uh, that, that got their first turkey. Uh, it's, it's just crazy. Um, and then we have kids that are that are 12, and we've got video footage of they shoot three times at 20 yards and somehow miss, and they're just sitting there flogging the decoy. And their entire, like, the guy is filming. They're, they're done filming the bird. They're filming the kid's entire body shaking, just going bonkers. And so... For us, it's kind of uh, just to get those kids in the outdoors. I don't know. For me, it's it's pretty rewarding. But that's kind of that's what we do with Graveyard Outdoors. It's just an opportunity. We don't charge these kids. Um, we try to again. We try to give them a really good experience, right? So it's it's everything from you know when we're setting up a hunt, Kyle. We have to think about we have to think about do they have hearing protection are they going to be bored what's their age level are they going to be warm enough i mean you have to 
for, to take a kid into the outdoors, goodness gracious, if you don't have snacks, you're going to fail right from the get-go. So <laughs> we, uh, we have a plethora of uh, little tricks and tips that we give our guides. And uh, our number one tip is uh, obviously take some sort of electronic and take snacks. So anyway, that's what we do. And it's, uh, it's pretty rewarding, actually. So with the, the program, is that something that is your baby? Is that something that you were like, is it a not-for-profit? How does it work? Like talk about the nuts yeah. and bolts a little bit on that, how that works. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a full-blown 501C. Uh, we don't make any money at it. We actually, um, again, my husband and I, and then we've got, we're very fortunate to have um, some really good, young, driven folks in our community that that have experienced it and then they wanted to be involved and from there they have just they've ran and we've went from dove hunts to turkey hunts to women's pheasant hunts Um, and then one of the things we did locally is we raised money and we started in two of our school systems we started the archery in the schools program so we gave them the the initial money uh, the setup fee that they needed to get archery in the schools so um, anything we can do at a very small level um, to get kids interested and in the outdoor in the outdoors it doesn't necessarily have to be hunting um, camping and hiking and fishing and um, archery all of those things uh, are kind of in our wheelhouse so. so in terms of funding you know there's quite a few generous donors out there that are really passionate about this or is it a lot of the kids themselves giving back once they're sort of have the means to do so or what what sort of some of the funding models that you use yeah we have yeah our funding is is very very low-key uh we have a few uh local donors like um ipnl which is our power plant they've got a conservation uh club that they donate every year uh faithfully uh, for our turkey hunt, and then from there, it's just local people that give here and there. Uh, we 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 do not ask for more than we need. Every penny that we take in, we it, we've got uh, we transparency is our key, right? Like with any five hundred one c or not for profit, you want to be completely transparent and tell your story and let everybody know where that money's going. So we stay very small. And uh, we let them know that every bit of it goes to those kids. And we'll have, we give away guns and equipment and um, clothing and, and just hunting apparel and gifts. And uh, they, I think that's probably, that might, that might trump the hunting at some, t- at some point when it's cold outside. I think they, they like getting the gift bag more than maybe the hunt. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys have cracked the code on that. Is there any hunts in particular or any kids that stand out where, you know, obviously you shared one there, the kid vibrating and, you know, that aspect, but is there anything where it's like, oh my goodness, this is why I do this? Anything stand out? Oh, good. Oh my goodness. There's, I have personally so many um, that it's, I mean, it goes on and on and I love to see it because this was see john my son so my john let's see my son is 17 and this was when he was eight so it was several years ago and on our little piece of property i had uh, we had my son and we had uh, one of our pastor's boys um he was sitting with my dad and then we had another another young boy on another little piece of property and and so i hear a gun you know i hear a gunshot and i'm like oh goodness okay i think it was this you know i think it was my son so i i call my husband 
And he's like, we got a problem. I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. So he's like, yeah, he got one. He's like, but now he's ready to go. And I'm like, well, all right, well, I'll take him back to the cabin. And and it was just a little Jake. So, you know, but he was tickled. He's eight years old, he gets his first bird. He's literally strutting around, you know, with his chest all puffed out, holding, dragging this bird everywhere. And here comes the pastor's kid. And he he's sitting with my dad and this Tom snuck up on him. Now, I wasn't in the blind, so my dad, you know, of course, we, 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 we planned for this, right? You know, you've got the blind set up, and you've got your shooting lane, and here comes this big Tom, and so this, is, this kid has never hunted. We took him out the day before, taught him to shoot, and so he was, you know, hitting the target, and so my dad, he calls me, and he goes, hey, we got a problem. I'm like, oh, no, did he miss? He goes, oh, no, we got the bird. He goes, but... Um, I'm going to have to get you a new blind. So I'm like, what? So the Tom came and he just blew a hole right in the blind. And this kid did not care. I think he walked back instead of waiting on the ranger to come pick him up. He carried the bird all the way back to the cabin. And uh, there's a huge hole blown in the blind. I don't know how that entire story went down, but he blew a hole in the blind. We've had, I tell you what, we had um, Ryan Brock. Um, with you know he does the the uh, youth division of the wild sheep and he he brought out a group of kids and the first year he brought his son and daughter and they were not prepared for Indiana you know early you know spring hunts I think his son had on a pair of vans and it was cold and wet and this kid is shaking in the blind I couldn't tell if he was excited because all the birds were gobbling or he was just cold but they sat there, they waited it out, and Dylan actually took a bird and got to watch these two toms come strutting in. And just to see the excitement and, you know, when their legs start shaking and they're, you know, this, they're just so excited. Seeing, seeing that is, um, I've had that experience several times. So that's, a, that's pretty rewarding. Very cool. So, Julie, I think I've seen pictures of you with the kids, and there's like, yeah. uh, like we're talking dozens, like 40, 50 kids lined up, if I, if I recall. And you're talking about a 50% harvest rate. Are you got, you got 50 kids out there and like 20 or 30 of them like killing birds and, and doing a group photo? Because to me, like the, the, the possibility of doing that is not even in the realm of, yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I'm telling you, it is the most stressful. Like, I pray so hard. Please don't rain. Please don't rain. Please don't rain. Um, it is, again, nothing is possible, right, without people that take action. And to have really good Southern Indiana folks that allow us to go on their property, because obviously I don't have enough property to, to safely you know, space people out. Um, so we, we rely on volunteers, um, and, and property owners and they willingly let us on and we go out uh, ahead of time and we set up the blinds and, um, you know, we have guides from around here that just love and have a passion for the outdoors and love to turkey hunt. And, um, probably, I mean, it, it doesn't seem feasible, but it is, there are times like this year we had a. This is, this is, in Indiana, you can hunt until you're, you're 18. You have to be actually 17. You can't turn 18, you know, for a youth hunt. And we had a kid that aged out, and he was so excited that he had aged out because he had participated in, 
in our dove hunts, our turkey hunts for several years. Um, well, now he's he's legit. He can be a guide. And so, you know, he's he worked for like a month on trying to find places, get permission. He'd call me and he'd ask me and he'd call me and he'd be so excited. He's like, yeah, I got another spot. I'm like, okay, well, you know, you, just because you have a spot, you know, you got you to gotta go check it out. You got to scout it and put some time in. And so he did. Well, he took uh, one of the kids that flew in from Nevada this year. He got him a bird, and then he, he actually guided two kids to be successful on birds. So he was uh, he was you know, he was our guide of the year uh, at, at 18 years old this year. So he was pretty excited. But that's what it is, Kyle. It's it's literally um, you know just passionate outdoors men and women that have property or find people with property, and they're willing to give up their time. Um, and all, most of these people are turkey hunters, right? So they're putting these kids the first weekend. Actually, see, this weekend, uh, the youth weekend is like on a Saturday and Sunday, and then the adult season comes in that following Wednesday. So for a lot of these guides, they're given their spots. You know, they're, and to me, that right there is when you, you know you've got somebody special. When they're willing, hey, they've already went to one spot, and the kid may have missed, Right. And they take them to another spot. And they're their spots that they've been watching and whatever. So for me, we, we're really fortunate to have just selfless um, outdoors men and women that just are passionate about taking these kids. That's super cool. Now, in terms of the kids that are attending, you know, is this something where, you know, it's word of mouth and, and you know, some kid at school maybe has no connection to the outdoors, no family, no nothing, and they reach out and they say, hey, I want to go on this hunt. Uh, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. We just do uh, social media blasts on Instagram and Facebook. And we're willing, again, um, we'll put them up in a, in a hotel if they're willing to travel here. So like the Nevada folks come in, um, which we'll, we're willing to work with them on a hotel. Everything's paid for except for their travel here. Um, and we've got kids that... Uh, it, it, it can be scary. We have to, so we have to have a questionnaire and have you hunted before? Are you, you know, do you have hunter's education? Are you safe with a gun? What some of them want to use a crossbow. Um, so that's a different setup, right? You can't uh, just, you've got to have a blind and it's again, it's all those little tricks to, to keep kids uh, safe and happy in the, in the woods. Um, but yeah, we just use social media and it fills up. I think last year, we had, in one hour, we had 45 kids signed up, 40, 45 or 47 kids signed up within the hour. Um, and, and we do get a lot of those first-timers because what happens is uh, we, we want these kids to wear the shirts, right? They love a, everybody love the kids love a free T-shirt, so they wear them to school. And then you've got girl, girls and boys. I think last year, uh, right off the bat, the phone the first five uh harvests were were girls and four of them were beginners four of them were were first-time hunters and they were girls so for us you know we we load them down with prizes and shirts and they go to school and then then that just sparks the interest in somebody else we've, we've had several kids that come and they try it one time it's not for them and that's okay that's again. We're we're just trying to expose them, and and hopefully they can earn you know develop some respect for what we do. Now, are you typically oversubscribed? Do you have X amount of spots, and you get more applicants, and you have spots, or you, can you accommodate everyone typically? 
we we have had to try to cap it at 65. Um, okay. Just because we want to we want to do quality over quantity, uh, and we, we kind of feel like, boy, 65. Anything over that is just getting above our manpower uh, with guides is our is our big problem. So yeah, 65 is usually what we stop at, and you know we're not again we we don't do this for money, um, and we're literally just trying to do this out of our pocket and with some volunteers. Um, and with some donations. And so for us, small is better right now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Really inspiring for sure. For sure, Julie. And that, you know, I know with you, it doesn't stop there. So you've got a ton of passion and you've done a ton of stuff and, um, in the business world, uh, in the conservation world. <laughs> and, uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit on the conservation side. So, uh, I know you you joined the board of directors with the foundation. Now it's been a couple of years, but prior to that, you did your time with uh, Ducks Unlimited. I think uh, National Wild Turkey Federation, RMEF. The list goes on and on and on. So where where does it you know you, you obviously when you're a young woman and got involved with mm-hmm. the the hunting community and hu- hunting in the hunt space, you know your conservation wasn't you know you, you weren't volunteering at all. And then so when does that evolution? When does it kick in that you're doing all this extra stuff? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I think for me, um, you know, you kind of, it's kind of like a stair step, right? You, you get more involved, um, the more passionate you are about something. Um, and, and the more involved I became, you know, it's just like Ducks Unlimited. We were, uh, it was a, it was a small local chapter and we were very successful. We had a good group of people around us, but you hit a ceiling, right? You, you could only see so much um, of your dollars at work. Okay, it's very hard to see, um, and you know, it's, it's it's you know you're you're gonna duck hunt in, you know in the winter, and then you're done. Um, and so then you know it went from there to turkeys to elk hunting, and with sheep hunting for me, it is. It's 24-7, right? It's it's constant. It's 365. If you're not sheep hunting, you're training. If you're not training, you're thinking about it. If you're not thinking about it, you're reading about it uh, or you're talking about it. Um, you're constantly doing something. And for me, um, the huge difference was it's kind of like you almost like you've, you just you graduate and you you're like, in a not to I'm, I'm not going to be disparaging or derogatory towards anybody anybody that's a waterfowl hunter or a mule deer hunter or anything like that because i enjoy all of that as well i can just say from my personal experience for me the 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 tipping point um was when i started looking into sheep hunting and it and it was a six-month deal i you know i started reading talking to people watching YouTube videos after YouTube. I think I've watched probably all of them. Um, but when you talk to sheep hunters, sheep hunters love to talk sheep and they love to help somebody that's going to go sheep hunting. It's absolutely absurd. It's crazy. The camaraderie and and it's, and it's for me, being a, an ex-athlete where I had all that time in the locker room and you prepare year-round and you eat and breathe and sleep, whatever you know, athletics you're doing, it's the same with sheep hunting and people want to help you get there. And for me, it makes that fire burn higher and higher and higher because now you've got, Hey, I got 
oh, you're going sheep hunting, Kyle? Let's go. Greg, you're doing this? All right, I'm here to help you. What do you need from me? And for me, that camaraderie, that locker room type mentality of we're a team and look what we're doing um, kind of just pushed me over the edge. And that's where it became um, just almost like it's oh, it's a family. It is, you know, when, when we talk about the Wild Sheep Foundation being a family, it's literally a family because I have not met, I have not met one sheep hunter who has been like, I'm not telling you a thing. I'm not telling you where I went in Idaho. I'm not telling you, oh, what, what gun do you shoot? What's your setup? No, there's no secrecy at all, is there? We've all, we've all been there, right? And we've, we've asked people, okay, how do I pack my, how do I pack my bag? Right? Because a woman is going to pack a little differently than a man. So who do I reach out to? So I try to find, you know, women who's been there before, before me. So for me, that was kind of my, um, when I, when I realized that difference, to me, sheep hunters are just, they, I, I put them, sounds bad, but, but I rank them way up, way up top for me. So you're in a safe space to say that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Nobody's going to give you a hard time here. Well, uh, I have so, big old broad shoulders. <laughs> I, I'm curious then, Julie. So we look at uh, you, you grew up in, like, obviously in a hunting family inspired by your dad, like you talked about in your family, but, um, there's a lot of flatland in Indiana and oh. born and raised there and then lived your whole life there. So uh, did that, you know, what tweaked it? Obviously, you're an overachiever, you're an athlete um, and, and highly successful in that realm. So the sheep hunting maybe, but, and then, so who, who was your mentor? I'd like to know who mentored you and, and who kind of inspired you on the sheep side of things. Uh, definitely Jim Craig. Jim Craig is, he has seven seven finales um and and just seeing his his epic mountain and hearing when you walk into his trophy room and if you point to any given sheep this is what i love because for myself as a hunter when i have a trophy in here and it may not when i say a trophy it's my trophy and it's my experience right it's not necessarily i'm not into the score if you looked at my sheep on my wall or my deer downstairs there's a few that I could give you a score. That's not a trophy for me. It's a trophy in essence because it's the experience. Who are you with? What happened on that trip? How memorable was it for you? And Jim Craig, when you walk in, that is the one of the very first things I noticed about him is I am like, well, tell me about this one. And he could sit there and tell me a 30-minute story detailed like you and I can, right, about our sheep hunts about every one of those sheep in his room. And, and to me, man, that's, there's not a lot of people that can really do that. Um, and, they, and, we're not, and not one time did he talk score. Not one time. I have a lot of respect for that guy. Um, and we spent hours upon hours on the phone. Um, he gave me books uh, that I, I mean, just read through and read through and, and questions, everything from, oh my gosh, stupid stories from, you know, if I'm in a backpack, I cut, cut my tooth, my toothbrush in half. I'm cutting weight down. I'm weighing everything. You know, he might think I'm a little psychotic now, but that's okay. Um, but he's, he's really from a sheep aspect. Jim Craig is, is the epitome to me of, of an old school sheep hunter, because this guy was sheep hunting without all of the fancy equipment we have. I mean, this guy was this guy was going sheep hunting, guys, when you had to write a letter 
and it took forever to get from little old Bloomfield, Indiana to British Columbia, right? And then he had to wait on the response, you know, and, and he teamed up with, oh my gosh, Albert Cooper and, and uh, Reg and, and Ray Collingwood and all those. I mean, just he actually has the experience of some of those guys that have just paved the way for us. And for that, I mean, the stories are just endless. It's, it's one of those things you could sit and talk to, to him for hours upon hours, and, and often we do. So with that, I guess you getting the hook, and I know you you quoted <laughs> Jack O'Connor in your bio for the Wild Sheep Foundation. You talk about that. So with that hook, when you got hooked, <laughs> awesome. What was that? Was that um, Jim that was inspiring it, or was that was it kind of you that fell into sheep hunting? You're like, what's this all about? And you had your journey, and then started talking to Jim, or did it kind of go the other way? I'm I'm kind of wondering no. how that circle happened. Was, this is this this is really stupid how it happened, but we were hunting in Texas as a family, and um, we go to Texas every year in the fall, like around Thanksgiving. And I had my daughter with me, and we were in a we were actually on this on this one piece of property. It was like fifty three hundred acres of a high fence, and um, so we were we were um, red sheep hunting for mouflon, and I'm like, wow, these sheep are really. You know, my daughter was going to take one, and I'm like, wow, they're really, they're really pretty. They're interesting, and so you know, I'm, you know, I got time to kill, so I'm googling and whatever, and I take a sheep, and we get back, and I'm like, well, that was, that was kind of easy, that's you know, so I start googling sheep hunting, and one of the first things I wish I would have remembered where it was, but I, it was one of the very first videos I watched. I don't, actually, I think it may have been Jim Shockey, I can't remember, but they were talking about. Sheep hunting is the epitome. This is what you, this is the upper echelon, right? This is the creme de la creme. This is the place to be. And sheep hunting, and then they went on to say, it's the hardest thing you can do. And I'm like, oh, well, hell, this is the hardest thing to do. I better look into this. So it's kind of one of those things where I like a challenge. And then I started researching it. And I'm like, well, what is, you know, what is Grand Slam finales? What is that? And started looking into it, and and then I was actually at a I was at a turkey banquet in February, and I had been researching all this sheep hunting, and no kidding, I'm not kidding you, Jim Craig was like right over there, and somebody says, hey, this is the guy you need to go, you need to talk to him, and so started the conversation, and I'm like, yeah, I'm 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 actually I'm going, and he's like. So he, he said, come up to the house. So I come up to the house and I introduce myself. And I said, again, you know, because it was just a quick conversation there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually going hunting. And he's like, he's, he literally rolled his eyes at me. He, I said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get my four sheep before the, before the age of 50. That's my goal. And he rolled his eyes at me. And I said, no, 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 I'm serious. And so he's like, oh, really? What are you? I said, no, I'm going, I'm going desert sheep hunting in two weeks. And I said, I'll call you. I'll call you as soon as I tag out. So literally, I go to Mexico. I, I'm in Mexico. I'm on the mountain. And I tag out and I call him. And I said, hey, Jim, it's Julie. I just tagged out. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I said, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm like, what do you think of that? And, uh, He's like, oh, wow, holy cow, that's, that's great, you know. And, 
And I said, hey, I'm traveling back tomorrow. I need to call you because I need to go on a doll sheep hunt. So I'm literally not even back in Indiana. And I'm like, hey, what do I need to do to get a doll sheep hunt? Can you make this happen? He is like, his wheels are spinning. And he calls a buddy and lo and behold, I'm on a doll sheep hunt that fall. So it, and from there, it just kind of took off. It went from there to, you know how it is. Like when you, you get bit, you're just, it's, I feel bad for the rest of the family. <laughs> so they're, they're just along for the journey. But that, that's how it went. That's, it was kind of, you know, it's a long, long journey. That's very cool. So now I remember it was sheep uh, week. I don't know if it was this year or last year, but I heard your name called and you went up and you got a plaque for this thing they call a finaz. So talk a little bit about what's involved with that. And, and what was that a, like, um, was that a goal well before a, a gym thing or was that kind of like, oh, no, I'm going to show Jim that I can do this? Was it sort of a dare? <laughs> and how did the, you know, was that a personal thing, how, a goal for you of yours? How does that work? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, when you start, again, when you start researching sheep hunting, everybody wants to talk about finals, right? They want to talk about how difficult it is. And, and so I really researched it well before I, well before I talked to Jim. And that's, that's, I think that's, you know, when Jim tells the story, that's what he says. He's like, listen, I knew she was, I knew she was for real just because he knew who I was from athletics. But then he knew because I had told him my plan. Like, you know, I had researched the more difficult to like the ones that are, quote, easier, or, you know, maybe a higher percentage of getting. So um, it was all along that was my plan is I wanted to see if I could do this um, because, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, I used to be um, I used to be really athletic and in in major good shape and at top of my game, uh, Division one. Uh, women's basketball right so I could go forever and do all kinds of stuff and felt invincible well now I'm two kids later and again I live in Indiana so no matter how hard I train it it still sometimes sucks on a mountain it just kicks your ass up and down and at the end of the day when you get back to your camp or if you make it back to your camp if you don't still at the end of the day you're like holy crap guys that was epic that was so the harder it is it makes you appreciate things so all along taking my finals was was definitely uh, was definitely my goal and now after my first one i remember walking up to jim and i said hey remember when i talked to you that first night in your trophy room and i said you know by the age of 50 i'd like to have i'd like to have my finals and he said yeah yeah well now what are you going to do and i'm like well, now what I like to do is by the time I'm 50, I'd like to have three or four. <laughs> He's like, oh, gosh. He's like, we've created a monster. And I'm like, yeah, well, we'll see. So I, I actually, I was, I was on the cusp of, um, I was actually last year, I was on a trip to take, to you know, hopefully take my second Fanaz uh, with the doll sheep. And um, we were actually getting ready to take off in the plane, um, to get into the the bush plane, and that's when I got the notification that my mom was was ill. Um, something was not you know not right. So I spent I spent about three days sheep hunting, and as you guys know, when you love sheep hunting, you you wait all year for this stuff, right? Like you're counting the days down. I'm like kids counting it down before Christmas. Like how many more sleeps do we have? Oh, I got ten more sleeps, you know that kind of stuff. And I got about three days in. 
and you just, I could not, I couldn't enjoy myself. I couldn't concentrate, couldn't enjoy it. You know, everything was miserable just because I was sitting there worried about, worried about my mom back home. So, um, you know, it was a good decision. I left early, didn't take a sheep, um, wasn't meant to be at all. And then, um, unfortunately I did lose my mom this February, uh, from those same ailments. Um, but I'm going back here again, like I said, on the 30th. And when I take this one, this one's going to be for my mom. So I'm pretty sure she's going to send me something special. So we'll see. Hmm. Oh, okay. I got to breathe for a second here. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, I understand. That's phenomenal. Um, so that this one is going to mean something. Uh, that's that. So is this your second Fanage sheep? Is that, is yeah, that the this, case or this one will, this wow. one, you know, God willing, will complete my second and then we'll, We'll just adventure down the trail and see whatever. We'll see what else happens, right? My husband did ask me. He said, I don't understand. You have one. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, why stop at one? I mean, <laughs> right? It's, it's not about the count. It's about the adventure. And so you know, he's, he's kind of tired of hearing that sometimes. <laughs> So I'm curious now, um, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, there's all these different records and achievements out there. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, at Sheep Week this past year, the youngest female ever to accomplish her finaz and um, all these amazing achievements. Um, I'd be curious to know how many women have taken multiple finazes. Obviously, there's been a few, but there can't be a, a, a bunch of lady hunters that have done that. Multiple, I'm not for sure, honestly. I'm sure somewhere in some of the record books, somebody's got that. Um, I'm going to be honest, I've not looked at that. Um, I tend to just focus on what drives me. I, I'm sure there are. There's too many really good female hunters out there. Well, I'm, I, you know what? I think Maddie uh, Damaski, she's got multiple. She has to have multiple. I'm, I would think so. I was thinking Maddie's one, Anna Vorsek. There's a few out there. Oh, that yeah, probably Anna. Do, for right? Sure. Yeah, definitely Anna, definitely Maddie. I'm sure there's some other, there's some other ones, but hopefully, hopefully Julie Chapman will be on there too. So. <laughs> I'd yeah, be in good. I'd say the some, odds are pretty good. I'll be in some really good company anyway. So put this little old Hoosier next to some of these really good hunters. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So you know, we talked a little bit about the kids. We talked a little bit about. Um, you know, you and your hunting career, if you will. Let's talk a little bit. How did you, where did the conservation piece come in? And um, you've got this history of, of having worked with multiple organizations. You're really involved with the foundation. We're so fortunate to have you on our board. Where did that, where did that come from? Where, was that something from your dad or is that just something as a natural evolution as a hunter that you're like, oh, I need to do more? Yeah, I think it's, I, I honestly, you know, my dad was just involved on a very, uh, very minute level. I think for me, um, it, it's kind of anything, right? Like anything that is worth doing requires action. And I get fed up with people who talk about stuff. Like I'm not a very patient person. Everybody knows that, that knows me. I, I tend to be pretty hardcore. Um, I like to go at things 100%. And if I'm not going to give 100%, then why do it? I, I mean, really, why do it? If you're not going to give 100%, it's kind of a waste of time. I'll, I'll go do something else that I would give 100% at. And so with that, I find that anything that we do in life 
you know, we can we can read about it, we can talk about it, but it requires putting one foot in front of the other. So for me, conservation, if if I have a passion about hunting and I want to continue to do this and you want to continue to do this and I want my kids to be able to continue to do this and, you know, I don't want my sheep one day ending up in a cracker barrel, right? I want my kids to, like, be proud and keep them when I'm dead and gone. Um then we've got to do something. We actually have to put one foot in front of the other and take action, and that is in within conservation. We have to, you know, we're not just hunters, but we have an obligation to fight for those rights and fight for those animals that we we respect and we love so so much that we're willing to like, my gosh, give our bodies, put them through hell, right? Go climb a mountain and just be sore as everything and miserable at times but we love it it's because we love them so for me that's that's how that conservation piece is it's more of a a personal driven thing that i feel like we have an obligation to take a to make an effort and do something and it's not a money thing right it doesn't always have to be a money thing there are so many people that contribute um my gosh just look at our volunteer base at the wild sheep foundation right i mean there's a ton of people that make their way to Reno every year. Um, I met some really good folks that were just helping set up the shop. She's like, yeah, we work in the store every year. And I'm like, holy cow. And it's like their fourth or fifth year. I'm like, wow, thank you so much. Because that's a huge piece. That's something like every, it's, it's, it's like anything else, right? The smallest thing is a huge thing. And so for me, the conservation piece comes pretty natural. It's, it's, I feel like it should be expected if we're going to be a hunter, we should also take an effort and, and take some action. So, yeah. Well, and you look at our, our board of directors, you know, and, and you could, we don't have to single out the foundation. You can pick any not for profit, but the amount of time and effort that goes into it. But then, you know, it, it's not even the board. You look at uh, like a guy like Corey. Jarris, who, you know, is the move in, move out crew at Sheep Week, um, yeah. you know, someone like that, or Larry Johns and Larry and Gay, right? You know, the amount of time, yeah. hey, like, I feel bad singling two people out, but they, they come to the front of mind because of all they do, they've taken this massive, which it should be a paid role, really, like in, in principle, but they're, you know, they're there for literally a week, just giving everything selflessly, right? And it's incredible the amount of effort that goes into uh, and and it's not you know the foundation's an amazing organization, but you know you you don't have to draw the line there. You can just keep going on and on and on, right? No, and that's what that's what makes that that's what makes the the Wild Sheep Foundation uh, like we talked about earlier, like a family and that camaraderie. Like you surround yourself with good folks like that, good things are going to happen. And we're we're seeing that from all of the efforts. From my gosh, look what you guys are doing in BC. I mean, just record numbers, really good things happening. Idaho, like other chapter and affiliates, they're killing it. And it's it's because they take one good person and there's two good people and three and four and they you surround yourself with those kind of people and some really positive things are happening. I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited for the future. I know we have leaps and bounds and and lots of things to do. Uh, from the conservation piece, right? Because we're always going to fight anti-hunting and and uh, stuff like that. But I feel like, man, we've got we've got some epic biologists on our side. We've got legislators on our side. We've got hunters that are just willing to take those steps and the actions that that we need. So yeah, we're pretty we're pretty blessed. 
Yeah, well said, Julie. So I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here, but not too badly. But uh, so you've been on the board now for a couple of years, and and uh, uh, you know you're a big part of of everything that's going on. But is there something for you that kind of stands out as sort of you know I really want to make a difference in this realm? And you know I I know that you got a big role coming up here. You're going to take over <laughs> the life member breakfast coming off of a superstar of a leader that's that's running that right now. So you got big boots to fill, say to say the least, but you got a great committee behind you. So but but that said, you know, is there something for you that you're like, okay, I really, really want to put my finger on this or my foot my my stamp on this? Yeah, I really I really don't have one thing specifically um, that I really want to say that I personally wanna, you know, leave my mark on other than other than everything that we're doing, right? Like, um, yes, the life member breakfast for, for me is, is, um, very important. And, and you're right. I'm gosh, talk about setting myself up for failure, jumping on that one right there and following that. (laughs) But, but again, that's what you want, right? So if if I'm going to do something, I want to raise that bar. So no matter what it is, somehow I got to figure out a way I like the competition. You know that. You know I'm a competitive person, so I'm always like, oh, what can we do a little differently? So um, there's a lot of different things that I'd like to see um, us do well. Um, I really, for for me, um, and and as a as a, a board of director, what I'm really excited about is all of the work that everybody is doing, and all of this fundraising, and now we've got something as simple. We're telling our story, right? I want to see that map. I want to see that map of how much money we're putting into each state or British Columbia or the Yukon. I want to see where that money is going because if I can see it and I can justify, wow, man, kudos, you guys are killing it, then other people can see it. And for me, that's the exciting part. I left uh, Chapter and Affiliate, the summit, just fired up. I mean, absolutely fired up. And it was just simply from a picture. You don't even need to, no one even needs to talk about it. When that, when that picture is up on the screen, I know it's been all over social media, but for me, um, seeing what everybody's doing, not just one person, but seeing what all of us are doing collectively is pretty exciting for sheep and the future of sheep. Yeah, well said. What, what was the number? What, what have we invested in wild sheep since the uh, infancy of that organization? Do you remember the number? You cut out. What'd you say? Just wondering if you can recall what that number was for wild sheep that we've invested. That so there was that graphic that the foundation gra- yep. had put up. Do you remember? You're what was the tell, number? Do you remember? You're going to tell me specifically. You go ahead. No, I I, I don't remember. I'm just, I know it was the 90s, but I, I yeah, it was like 90, it's a big 93? Oh, there we go, Mr. Redsman. 91, 91. 91. I'm close. Close. Uh, that's a go. big chunk of change. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a big awesome. chunk of change. Yeah, yeah, pretty inspiring. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's let's just touch on before we let you go. I want to touch on what's what's the most you've done a ton of hunting. You've you've got you're working on your second finaz now, so there has to be something that stands out. And now I'm <laughs> you know I, every time we talk, you're like, hey, my son's doing this, my my daughter wants to do this, we're doing this, we're going there. Um, and you know, your family is such an important part of what you do and you've seen all these kids, you've mentored all these kids and all these young women, you've been involved with all these hunts. Is there one that stands out for you? 
Uh, me personally, Easy, right? Or, yeah, right. Stands out with me personally or with my kids because there's. I've had some. I mean, like uh, I, I can. I mean, I can. I'll tell you a couple. I can tell you a couple. So, um, one is my son. Um, first year I put him in for the for all of the draws. He was twelve, and he actually got drawn for Idaho. Okay, and this this poor kid is a baseball player, and he had subsequently taken a fastball to his his left knee. You know, because he's a he's a righty, and so I, I always tell him, "Don't you jump out of the box." Don't you be a big baby. You stay in there and you take it like a man. And he's like 11 years old. But, you know, I'm, I'm always the hard mom that's like, you stay in there. Don't jump out. So he did. He stood there and took a fastball right to the leg. Subsequently, like the percentages of this happening are like, he, it's like winning a lottery ticket. It was like point zero 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 one. He damaged his perineal nerve in his leg, which means we didn't know it. Because it's like a water hose, right? Like it got kinked by swelling and nothing could get through. So therefore, he had full-blown foot drop at the age of 12. We had no clue and we were going through all of these. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's got a sheep tag and he's going to Idaho and he's got foot drop. How are you going to climb 10,000 feet? So this kid, this, this kid at 12 years old was unbelievably... Kids are just resilient. They're they're way stronger than we are. We're soft sometimes. We strap those boots on, and I just remember trying to tape his foot like in the you know position, and he put those boots on and he climbed to ten thousand feet. And if you can imagine how you have to like throw your leg out because you can't, your foot doesn't bend right. So he would have to like throw his leg out, this hip. And he just trucked along, trucked along, trucked along. And, oh, my gosh, I remember getting, we were sneaking up to, to get close to the sheep to take a shot. And the guides, and so I'm, like, we're, we're telling them, shh, you know, we're doing everything we can. We're, like, trying to, like, watch, step where we step, you know, all of those things. And the guide's son, who is just, like, he's going to, you're going you're gonna to hear his name, but... He's uh, Jared Craney. He's going to be a heck of a guide one day. Anyway, he rolls a boulder that I swear to gosh was the size of a Volkswagen. And it's like, you know, it just starts rolling. And it's one of those stinking rocks that rolls and rolls and rolls forever. And the entire can you could hear it just boom, 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 boom. Oh, and I thought, and I thought, oh, no, we just climbed all day. And we're gonna we're literally ten yards from just getting in the prone position to like lay down. I just knew that I knew they were all gonna be gone. And we like sneak over there and I'm I remember thinking, Oh my god, thank you so much for having those sheep still <laughs> Anyway, this kid shoots this sheep, we celebrate, and I just remember getting back, like we got off that like we got off that trailhead. He was utterly exhausted. I mean, just I know my effort, I was exhausted, but this kid had that, I mean, just to climb that way and have to exert that extra energy was beyond incredible in my book. Anyway, we got back that night and here comes Jim and Lee and Craig. They drove all the way to Idaho to help this kid celebrate. And that to me uh, was, 
was just the beginning of something beautiful for Idaho. And that's subsequently why then I decided to go all in and, and get that tag for myself for the following year. Um, because it was so special for him to take a sheep there. I wanted to take one in the same state. And and then it was cool because then I come back on the trailhead and there's my dad and Jim and Leanne Craig waiting for me uh, to jump off my horse um, and to be able to celebrate with them. For me, those kind of memories, like my sheep hunts or my hunts that have been memorable, it's it's who you've shared them with, right? It's the camps that you've you've been in. It's the hardships. It's the making fun of one another. I remember we were we were we. It was two in the morning by the time when I shot my sheep in Idaho. By the time we loaded the sheep on the back and we're all packed up, and Jordan Bud was filming, and I don't know what the hell we did, but we were. I was exhausted, thirsty, and exhausted again. And it was like 4.30 in the morning, and we come to this spot, and our little headlamps were shit. They were horrible. Excuse me. And um, all of a sudden, I don't know, but I just hit I just hit something, and I it was like a water slide. You could just hear me going, thump, thump, thump. <laughs> it's 4.30 in the morning, and everybody's just, we're all dying, cracking up. She's got it on video somewhere, and I'm, I'm begging her, please lose that video. So for me, it's it's... That was probably to see my son take that sheep in in such uh, just the hardship that he had to 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 overcome to get it and to just get there was pretty epic. And then uh, being able to then the following year go there and kind of share and have my dad there um, to see that. Um, my my dad's actually going this year with me up to British Columbia, so it'll be a we're going to kind of road trip it up there and. He's been he's been walking every day and trying to get in shape and I keep telling him, no, Dad, you're not actually going on the sheep hunt with me. You're gonna like you get to hang out in a cabin or something. So, but he's he's working his way into shape and uh, he's gonna go there and hopefully I'll come back with something. So, very cool. Uh, so with your BC hunt, you're coming up here chasing stones, correct? Is that the plan this no, year? No, no, it's a bighorn. It's a bighorn. It's a bighorn. Um, oh, yep. Okay. It, Yep, yep. So we're um, we're going to be over there, uh, close to the Alberta border. There. Are you able to tell us who you're hunting with, just uh, to share the story, or is it you keeping it on the down low? I don't know if I should yet. I think I'll wait on that one. I think okay. I'll wait. I'll keep the good. yeah. I'll tell you later. So, you, <laughs> so your dad's coming, and then are there any of the kids coming, or are you coming just the two of you guys? No, not on that one. Um, they've got school and football and other extracurricular activities. So just, just dad and I will make my husband stay home. Awesome. Put him to work. eh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Awesome. He's- um, Greg, uh, anything for Julie before we let her get back to her family here on a, a Thursday night? No, it's been great. Listen, just sitting back and enjoying the conversation. It's, it's, I get yeah, to be no, a little, win- little, little windy sometimes huh greg i get to i get to talking <laughs> i'm, I'm we, not gonna say that we could have a few we you know we could have some really good conversations at the round bar that's where you should do a podcast this next year okay ra- let's do it what we're in so and uh, two drink minimum to get started and then but we'll have to do some heavy editing <laughs> that's right yeah i like noise that. In the uh, background. at the round bar in reno yeah 
It's on. Yeah, Let's do it. you know, I I think we might need to do a couple of these. I, you're, we're going to have you back for sure, without question. But I was thinking, you know, I think it'd be pretty cool to have you and Jim on together. I think that'd be a pretty cool podcast. Oh, I would absolutely love that. Jim Craig, and I, I would have nothing to add. Um, Jim is just a wealth of information. I love it. Just the stories. Again, my gosh, those guys paved the way for us. We've, we've got it so easy. It's unbelievable. This is the stuff they they went through um, and their gear. I remember he, he still has, like, he's got a little 270, and he went on a, he, he actually, I think it was, I think it was British Columbia. He was on a stone hunt, and he, he showed up, and the dang airline, the, the gun was broke. The stock was broke. He, he has duct tape on it, literally. He's got duct tape. I mean, he's got, he's got so many stories, it's unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah, it's, well, Let's it sounds it. like we we have another one uh, in the works here. So, there you go. Uh, Julie, I want to thank you for taking the time today, and uh, I have to say you're an inspiration. You were an inspiration for me before you joined the board, and uh, working beside you with the conservation stuff, um, it's inspiring to be working beside you. And I love your enthusiasm. You're like, let's get after this. You're like, you're always fired up, and you you know, it's it's you're one of my favorite directors for that very reason you're just like let's get this done let's let's get after it so love it appreciate you well i appreciate i appreciate that i appreciate that i appreciate everything you guys are doing man you guys are killing it up there killing it okay so we're we're gonna need to do this again and you're gonna come up to bc and you're gonna get your big horn and then we can yep. we'll we'll circle back this fall after your hunts and we'll we'll see where we're at and and uh, you can tell us some more stories i love it i hope i have some good ones Oh, you will. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you.